return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Hey everybody, this is Josh Martin. And I'm Marty Hyde. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Tattoos and Jesus podcast. I am very happy to be here. Here at TNJ, we seek to blend the righteous with the ridiculous. Please explain. We discuss coffee, counseling, Christianity, and whatever else crosses our mind. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, let's go. Welcome back to Tattoos and Jesus. As far as we know, this should be one of our last episodes of the year. You just said you were not going to touch the microphone arm, and literally the whole intro, you've done nothing but play with the microphone arm. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Everybody can hear it. No, everybody's a stretch. Everybody's a stretch. But whatever. we are back. Back from the uh, yeah. not in studio again. Not in studio again. We but are for good reasons. Because That's we right. have a special guest today. Special, special guest. Special Didn't you say you were going to let him do the intro so we can hear oh, his yeah. voice? No, he says, his voice. Yeah, he says things and then he just completely, as soon as it starts, it goes out the window. He just, <laughs> he don't All right, Josh. Care. Josh, go ahead and introduce our guest today. Oh, I've got criticized. That's fine. Whatever. Whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> um, no, this is our next to last, mm-hmm. next to last podcast because we'll post it. Today. today. So everybody that hears us say today is actually today when they listen to it. Yeah. That's usually not the case. Like the paint um, is still drying on this episode if you listen to it on December 15th. Marty is going to work hard in his tech studio to get all of the glitches out and post this bad boy. Hopefully by 6 o'clock. It's over. Yeah. Um, but we are... Wrapping up the year with a special guest interview. I'm trying. I was trying to think. Did we have we ever done that before? End of the year with an interview? Or no. Did we always I'm do actually that? super. Or this not? is like I feel like this is the best end of the year series that we've ever had in our three years of podcasting. That is true. I feel good about it. So, Marty, why don't you introduce our special guest? You know, it's just why don't funny you... that you brought me on, given that this is the holidays and Christmas, and it's almost like you planned it ironically. That is. It, that is ironic, but it was not thought through. I wish I could have that much credit. Anyway, today we have, I don't even know how to say your name in real life. Hitha, I can say your real name. How do you say your last name? Shrivatsun. Yeah, I never, am never going to oh, say that. Marty um, says it like that, his last name like that as well, when he has to do intros to our podcast. But uh, Yeah, I can't even say my own. So anyway, Hitha are, um, is here, and I don't know, like, so Hitha is a therapist. I'm going to let Hitha... It, Introduce yourself, Hitha. You had one job. I, I mean, he's, yeah, he's. I took Josh's job and now I don't even know how to do yeah. my own. Yeah, I mean, this is classic. So, okay. Um, I am a marriage and family therapist and I have, um, I have training in clinical psychology. I'm from India and I've been in the States for about, let's just say since 2013. I can't math right now. So like so, t- 10-ish years, about a decade. Okay. There you go. Ten years. Sworn uh, well, actually, that you were from Gaffney is, is with that accent. Ten years and two months. It's been. I arrived here September 2013, so it's been ten years and two months. Oh yeah, there you go. And so, um. Happy ten year anniversary. Thank you, thank you. It's. Does been it feel long, like it's been ten years? Sometimes, and sometimes it feels way more. <laughs> more than ten. Okay. Um, I just feel so out of touch with reality when I go back to India. But we'll yeah. talk about that soon. Yeah, we're going to get into it. So Hitha recently 
completed a a supervision course that I helped mm -hmm. co-facilitate, right? And so mm -hmm. like I don't did you know who I was before that course? Had you heard my name before? Yes. Because uh, I had heard you your name Kathy's, a lot. You were Kathy's supervisee. And yes. and I was hers too. So I okay. think we met a couple times. That... And I knew you as the motivational interviewing guy, yeah, but yeah. I didn't know much more than that. The yeah. motivational let me tell you what motivation for Marty is it's rare, as you can tell on this podcast. <laughs> I've been criticized numerous times mm -hmm. on and off the recording. I've heard the dressing downs in, in person. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Don't listen, you're a marriage and the family therapist. Can you help Josh and I's relationship be repaired? Don't you guys are kind of forget that. No forget worries. that. Yeah, that's not that. I could it's hopeless. We're heading, we're heading towards divorce. Now you don't need a marriage and family oh, therapist. My goodness. You guys are professionals. So, anyway, so Hith and I kind of got to know each other um, while I was, you know, helping teach that class. And mm -hmm. I was like, dude, like people need to hear a story. Like it's pretty sweet. So, like just to get people hooked, I'm going to say, all right, we've already made this clear, right? You're from mm -hmm. India. You grew up in mm -hmm. India. You came to the States. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and I remember you never plan on staying in the States. But now you, I think, are. And we can clarify that. I didn't even want to come to the States. You didn't even want to come. So you didn't even <laughs> want to come. Let's see. You you told me you're you're culturally Hindu, but mm -hmm. your religious beliefs would be atheism or a, you're mm -hmm. atheist. And yes. you are in an arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why well, would just throwing it all out there? That's the hook. Like, that's why people no need spoilers. to listen today. I know. Instagram <laughs> bio is out. And... You are the only Indian therapist in the state of South Carolina? Well, no. I, I think I may be, may be the only Indian marriage therapist. I think there may be a couple Indian counselors around that I but can see. But you, you feel, feel good that you're the only Indian marriage in the family therapist? Sure. Why not? It's something I can claim. So you're not yeah. gonna go fact check me. This is kind of a yeah. I, I mean, in all honesty, just tell us whatever. I mean, whatever <laughs> you want to tell us, just go for it. The only one in South Carolina. So okay. yeah, you can fact check me that. Fact check. Um, we're just gonna put. We're United just gonna. States. We'll just go with it. Cool. Uh, so here's okay. Here's my first question for you, Hitha. Mm -hmm. If Josh and I were to go to India, right? Like, like I've heard that if I went to, like, I'm I'm a big guy, right? Mm -hmm. Josh is pretty tall too. Like if we went to China, people would immediately put us on a very elite level because of our mm -hmm. size. If we went to India, yeah. how would it just walk the streets? Josh and I just walk the streets. How would we be viewed by the people there? Um, when I was growing up, it was much harder to see many foreigners. So lately, though, especially... Uh, where I lived um, when I was um, 18, 19, 20 and onward, there were a lot of white folks coming to learn about the culture. We had a lot of white women coming to live in India just to learn the dance, um, mm -hmm. the classical dance uh, of southern India. But one part of southern India, at least, is called Bharatanatyam. And people came just to learn that because there was this really famous school. There is this really okay. famous school in my hometown. So we would not be special. Well, I mean, it depends on the part of town you go to. <laughs> I suppose you're going to be swamped by all the street vendors. <laughs> oh, the they see town. this person's going to spend mm -hmm. money. This is a mark. <laughs> Marty, Marty just wants to hear you say you are special, Marty. Like you are a special person. 
you will be special to some people. Yes. <laughs> they would probably look at me and be like, that man likes to eat. Would you yeah. like some food? I can there tell you, you one thing. Yeah. They would definitely not try to sell us on the Southern dance. They'd be like, them <laughs> they got no rhythm. I'm here to dance. Nah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Heather, tell us where, like, India is a massive country. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think people really understand. Like, it is large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, where did you grow up? Like, help us so, understand. All right. Um, nearly all my life, I have spent in southern India, uh, two main cities. Um, and I don't know how many of your listeners know any, like, bits of information about India. India has, I don't know, I've lost the count on the, on the number of states now, but India has several states, and each state typically has its own language that they speak. And that's probably how the state lines were drawn, just on what language people <laughs> spoke or whatever. Is um, India traditionally come from like a tribal background? So there's different. Yeah. Like yeah Africa has tribal yeah. lines. Okay. Well, not tribes, uh, clans, let's say clans. clans? Okay. Um, and we were um, lots of lots of state kingdoms or kingdom states, however you want to call it. Um, and there were several. I mean, we could get into the history of it a lot, but lots of emperors we've had, especially from Persia, we had the Mughal Empire, and they brought together a lot of the states. So we are a cohesive country, um, despite the language differences. So most, if not all people in India speak at least one other language conversationally, um, unless they've been really pigeonholed their entire lives and then they only speak one language so how many um, languages do you speak i am conversationally fluent in i don't know if that's contradictory conversational with Kannada, which is the language of the state that i did a lot of uh, my childhood in i was born in chennai which is in a state called Tamar Nadu, and it speaks Tamar. um so my mother tongue is Tamar. i speak Kannada. I was forced to learn Hindi throughout my schooling because it is the national language. And um, I was forced by my family to pick up Sanskrit because it is the language of our, I guess, religion and some of our culture. And um, so I can understand a little bit of Sanskrit. I can't speak it. It is a dead language after all. Who would I speak it with? Like the temple priest maybe. Um, and then... Um, um, yeah, I, I learned and German. English, and you speak English. I speak English and German. And German. And German. Mm -hmm. What a curveball. I wanted, to, okay. I wanted to go to Germany to study psychology. Um, that fell through. And then I ended up marrying my husband, who was already here in Greenville, South Carolina. And that's how I came to be here. So when did you, did you learn German only after you, did, you kind of had aspirations to go to Germany? Yes. So ages 18 through 21, the whole time that I was doing my bachelor's, I went do through you, from class. Do you find that you, because you have, I, I guess you've massaged whatever the language muscle is in your brain that mm -hmm. you can pick up on languages fairly quickly? I, I love learning new languages. Right now in Duolingo, I have a Spanish course going on, Esperanto and Arabic um, and Hindi for my daughter, because that's something we do together. Good gravy. 
It's so fun. I can even I can even speak English hardly. I'm no, but I can't speak any of these languages. I could probably go to a restaurant and order food, like if I spoke Spanish, but I, I, I no, I can't do any more than that. So I'm not even claiming that I speak Spanish anymore. I can order at Taco Bell. Does that count? Okay. I think it does. <laughs> okay. Are you ordering in English? Oh, give me that churro. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. You just said oh, semi Spanish word. <laughs> I am so jealous. Yeah. Semi with a southern accent. Josh, what did they say? Kobe Bryant knew like seven languages or something, didn't he? Excuse me. Kobe Bryant know knows. Kobe. Anyway, I know that. Um, it's, it's just always back. Djokovic knows. He's the famous tennis player right yeah. now. He knows about seventeen languages. Seventeen. He does just, a lot. It doesn't come naturally to me. Like it, it, part of it. I'm a path of least resistance kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And so taking Spanish in high school was hard. And so I just tried to like cheat my way through, squeak by with the grade and move on. And like, if I'm honest, like kind of regret it because like I you find regret moving I, on. No, I regret not trying harder. Oh, got it. Because like I find the Spanish language, for example, very enjoyable. Like, mm -hmm, it is. you know, um, when I worked at Chick-fil-A, I learned a lot just conversating with some of the, the employees that work there. Mm -hmm. And like, it was fun. Like it was enjoyable. And so I think I would enjoy learning it if I was operating in the culture. Like mm -hmm. I, cause it would interest me. Like I have a hard time studying things that don't interest me. It's a little, mm -hmm. it's a little ADHD ish, a little fixation. So like if I was spending time in the country using it, like, I think that would be more fun. Oh yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, it, it, really it definitely is a great hobby to have. Because it's something that you can play with and exercise anytime, anywhere, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. It's not something that you have to be in a place to do. So right now, you know, seven languages and you're on the cusp of like 10. I don't know. I, I'm not counting because it doesn't count if you don't speak it, if you don't use it. So I'm not going to count German. I'm, I'm not counting. Count Spanish. Okay. Whatever. So, so tell <laughs> me, what was it like growing up in India? What was that? I, and I know for you, like, that was just normal, right? That was your childhood. Mm -hmm. It wasn't probably until you moved to America that you experienced a new cultural culture to be able to reflect on that uh, difference. But, sort of. So in okay. my teen years, um, I, I watched a lot of American and British television. A lot of it. Like what? So what would you watch? American? Well, yeah, like, let's get into the list. And what would we, we watch? Man, oh, my gosh. So um, I... I cut my teeth on the nanny. Do you remember that the one? The nanny? The mm -hmm. nanny? I love, 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 yeah. love that show. She's from Queens and she's she's an au pair for a British family. I loved that show. So yeah, that's kind of what got me into so many things. I loved um, Friends, of course. Um, I liked um, a lot of the murder mystery stuff. I loved The Mentalist. I loved... Um, psych. I loved, well, yeah, a lot, a lot. I watched a lot of American and British movies. And Did those um, things interest you in mental health and psychology? Some of those shows? Is that like your first peak as far as interest in? Not even. My mom is a psychologist and a special educator. So I got introduced oh. to it way before. Hold on, go back. What was childhood like? So childhood. Um, so yeah, um, before, um, before my teen years, I wasn't aware that there was a life outside of India, but in my teen years, I kind of figured out that the kind of life that I was living was very different. So I was very aware of the differences 
as a child, I grew up in a joint family up until I was um, third grade age-ish. Um, so in my joint family, imagine a house with, uh, we call it a 60-40, a 60 feet by 40 feet kind of plot with a, a house with one, two, three, four, five bedrooms. And each of those bedrooms had a different family living in it. So one bedroom had my grandmother, grandparents, and then my grandfather died. And then one bedroom uh, for my oldest uncle, and then my second oldest uncle, and then my third oldest uncle, and then my father. And then my father's twin sister was married off and living somewhere else, but close, close enough that I met her pretty often. Um, and then, so that's until third grade. Um, and then people started moving out a little by little. Um, that was, oh, that was gut-wrenching. When my cousins moved away, they were my, they were my buddies. They were my playmates. Um, I have six cousins. And um, I think until we started, you know, getting married, moving out for our jobs and things, we felt like we were siblings. And, uh, and then life happened. And then we're not sibling-like anymore. So I'm going to... I'm gonna play dumb because I don't know anything here. Is sure. that is that like the the traditional? Is that standard? Most people lived in kind of those, like you said, sixty forties, where their yeah. families would like. That's a pretty common practice, or was that unique to different areas or different? I would say sixty forty is let's say um, upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and figuring into the upper middle class is. Um, for instance, the religion and the caste that I belonged to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, it was very, very normal um, for, for children to, for, for men, not, not children, men to live with their parents because it was respectful. It was seen as a way of you taking care of your parents, you're giving back. Um, daughters, of course, moved out and lived wherever their husbands lived or their husband's family. And then um, um, what else was normal about that? Um, I mean, by the time I was growing up, I saw a lot of my classmates go through the same things. Their families were starting to have more of the nuclear type Mm -hmm. families. And it was becoming normal to visit your grandparents rather than live with them. Okay. And so you said you were part of a upper middle class family. Mm-hmm. And so help us understand what does it mean to be part of a caste? Like if people aren't familiar with what that means in India, that's, that's a whole thing. That's a loaded question. It is, it's like, it's like talking about racism here. Mm-hmm. Um, casteism is almost a dirty word. Um, so castes. There are four castes in uh, the Hindu um, social structure, mm-hmm. and they're called Brahmins, and then um, Kshatriyas, and then Vaishyas, and then Chudras. Brahmins were, so they were originally, I suppose, meant as um, roles in societies, roles, economic roles that you play in society, but they didn't always stay that way. They became hierarchies. Um, Brahmins were seen as the elite because they were the learned ones. They were the priests. They were the teachers. They were the um, um, the musicians that were classically inclined, not the folk artists, but the classical elite ones. So those were the Brahmins. Um, the the Kshatriyas were the soldiers and the rulers. 
So you'll notice that the kings come under the priests, which I suppose is normal for some cultures. Um, so the kings and the soldiers were kshatriyas, and then vaishyas were the merchants, and the shudras were for the longest time called the untouchables, because you, in in ancient times, you couldn't touch them because they weren't clean, because they were they did the sanitary jobs or the the um, um, you know upkeep of the cemeteries or um, and some some tribes were even lower than shudras because they did the cemetery work and and so on so um, you could get into the nuances of that it, there's there's a whole lot to talk about there but I was I was born a Brahmin you are always born in your caste you don't change castes um, so I was born in a Brahmin family in um, so in southern India, a Brahmin family is Tamil speaking. Um, if you uh, lived in a city, you were basically, yeah, you were part of the elite group, no matter how much money you had. So um, what was that like growing up in the Brahmin caste, which was the highest viewed? Um, I was expected to always be smart, uh, always be, uh, we called them toppers in class, uh, always be um, the straight A student. I was, I was the outlier as a Brahmin because um, we had a reservation system going on in education. We still do. Um, um, we have reservations quotas in the in schools and colleges for the lower castes. And so, among the Brahmins, um, there was a lot of bitter, resentful talk about, "Oh, we always have to work harder." To get the better seats because all the good seats are given away to people that are lower caste. So in my family, we were always, it was always drummed into our heads to study harder or, you know, have lofty goals. You always have to try and be an engineer or a doctor or um, nothing lower than that because engineers and doctors were the ones that saw any money. Um, and, or, or you could go into banking Banking was supposed to be very prestigious accountants, I guess. So, um, so when when it came time to get married, the grooms that they saw for me were all engineers or doctors or bankers or accountants. Nothing so else. Has the view of cash changed? Because you said it's kind of like racism. No, it's just lying low. Um, people don't like to talk about it as much while at the same time we talk about it a lot in just other ways. Mm -hmm. So it's still um, very much entwined into the culture. It is in um, the sense that you still have, um, I guess, what do you call those um, exaggerated? I'm missing the word. Um, the, the, you have a type for each. When you see a Brahmin, you, you make assumptions. Mm -hmm. What's the word? I'm missing a very like common a bias. Word. Yeah. Um, Do you know it, it in German? Do you know it in Spanish? Yeah. Do you know it in English? <laughs> Which like, language have... are you are you picking right now? <laughs> yeah. I want to help you, but I'm I'm more of a French guy. Yeah, you know? we're just oh, we're Southern English only, so I don't know how I help. Um, um, well, okay, let's just call them. We we have assumptions about yes. how each each cast um is supposed to behave, like is supposed to excel at. Um, so, and it's supposed to even look like physically. So you, you saw a darker skinned person, you know, oh, they don't look Brahmin at all. So there was the light and dark skin thing too. So, so light, I, light is viewed more favorably? Of course. Um, 
Yes, of course. <laughs> so yeah, um, I was I was not one of the dark-skinned ones, so I got lucky that way. Um, I always got told that I had the typical Brahmin nose. So you the have Brahmin the Brahmin nose. Mm -hmm. So uh, longer, sharper noses. Um, I thought you had a prestigious you, nose on you. Exactly. See, <laughs> even you knew that. And then, <laughs> um, I got treated. Um, I got I, I I got forced into music classes, whether I wanted them or not, because Brahmin kids did that. I got forced into um, we call them sloka classes, the chants that we learn for our religion. Mm -hmm. We have to know all the chants, all the prayers, because that's what pious kids do. So we had to know them because we were Brahmins. Um, we had to have oh, but my favorite part of my religion was the festivals, the dressing up and the, the decorating the house and visiting each other and the food. Oh, the food. Um, my poor aunts and moms and grandmothers, they wouldn't, they wouldn't leave the kitchen for up to like three days before. And then afterwards, they'd be so dead tired. Yeah. So that's, those were my fondest memories. Um, the not so fond memories were the being forced into chanting and being judged in the Brahmin community if you didn't know this prayer or that mm -hmm. or yeah it was very judgy let's just sum that up by judging so, speaking of judgments I'm going to make one right now sure you don't come across that was the word I was looking for I'm sorry stereotypes Stereo oh yeah, yeah we got that we, we had that, that. In English, I know that yeah. word <laughs> there you go so and you you don't come across to me as someone that has like continued to hold tightly to that, mm -hmm. that yeah. type of view. Is that fair? I've held on to some. Um, Cause I guess my question is when, at what point did you quit just being that person and start questioning or saying, you know what, there's some other ways that I view this and I don't know if I love it. I've thought about that a lot since I'm in the profession where we think about those things. And I, I can never tell when it began, but I know when it solidified in my mind. And that was when my dad died when I was 15. Mm -hmm. um, and it was unexpected. We didn't know. Uh, we didn't know that anything was wrong with him. He died of a heart attack um, when, ironically, we went to see my grandmother in the hospital who had had a cardiac event. Um, so at 15, dad died. People expected some things of me because I was the older child, the older daughter. My mom was going through grief. I was never close to my dad. So I felt like I had to grieve a certain kind of way. Um, so people's answers to everything was, of course, religion. You know, pray, it'll go away. It's the same thing as here, right? Mm -hmm. And then I didn't like it. I rebelled against it. I... Um, looked at, um, I guess, different ways of thinking about it. Neil Donald Walsh was a lot of what I read growing up. And he writes these books from Conversations with God. Have you ever read them? Mm -mm. Oh, they're wonderful, wonderful books, even if you aren't religious. And um, they were the kinds of books that were written for audiences that didn't necessarily want a Christian God to relate with. Um, but he, you could tell that he came from a very Christian background. Yeah. And um, so those books, Conversations with God, kind of 
let me know, hey, maybe maybe God isn't so punitive. Maybe he doesn't need to, well, they, because we have multiple gods in, in Hinduism. Um, maybe the gods aren't so, um, if, if you don't say your prayers every day, it's your grandchildren that will suffer because karma, right? So <laughs> it's just everything you do, you have to think about generations ahead. If you do something, your yeah. children, your grandchildren will suffer because of you. So straighten up and fly right. Um, it was a very scary thing to be in religion, but also fun. I'm not saying it was odd. Not scary. There was a lot of expectations growing up. There's a mm -hmm. lot of standards, a lot of expectations, a lot of kind of a lack of um, independence or individuality. Like what are those things that you just accept and mm -hmm. then kind of just go without go in life and just kind of adhere to those things and then try to meet those things and then kind of describe your own personal journey in that and then when you came here or when you were there like when did that kind of break Do you still have some of those in your life like, what does that look like so indian culture is collectivistic it's not very individualistic so you always 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 set aside your own needs for the greater good and that was drummed in in my head by my mom too because she is the ultimate martyr and um, I think I saw growing up how after she became a single mom, not by choice, but because of fate, she struggled with all the expectations put on her. So in Indian uh, culture, women don't need to get educated very well. They just need to have a bachelor so that they can prove to their future husband's family that they're not dumb. So they just have like a bachelor's degree or whatever that in, 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 I don't know, art or commerce or something, just to show that you're not uneducated. And then, you know, you don't need to have a career. It's not, it's not wonderful for a woman to have a career in India because you stay home with the, uh, with the kids. And that didn't serve my mother very well because she was now the only bread earner for our family. And so I saw that that, that, that wasn't working, not for her, not for me. And, um, so it just grew from there. She wasn't very happy with me leaving Hinduism. Um, she still isn't, but she has resigned herself to it now. Um, my in-laws, oh, we have never, ever, ever come right out and said, I'm an atheist. I still pretend to be the good little Hindu daughter-in-law. And I still send them pictures of all the things that I did for the festival, Hindu festivals. And kind of show, hey, I, I, I did the, the rituals, I did the traditional things. But my, they know, they, they figured it out. And I think part of them blames me that my husband's moved away from Hinduism too. He's atheist too. And he thinks I've been, a, they probably think I've been a corrupting influence. So yeah, say la vie. What was that word? <laughs> yeah, that Sorry. Wasn't, that, yeah, that wasn't English, I don't believe. Say la vie. Say, um, I think that's French. For yeah, that is like... now she's breaking out French. Just gonna, oh, okay. just gonna oh, drop okay. a little French. You know what? Okay. You guys have that song and everything. Don't pretend. Oh my goodness. Say la vie. It's such. Oh a yeah, thing. that isn't a song. What song is that? Ah, uh, it's jazz. Oh, Edith, Edith Piaf, or what's I don't I have. Say I have name. heard that before. So what? What? Was it, what does it mean to grow up 
Hindu and then tra- like help us connect the dots there. So, and you've already kind of touched on some of it with the expectations, right. the plurality mm-hmm. of gods. Yeah. Like what is it? And I guess it's probably very similar to uh, Christianity where there's the people that are active in the faith, but then that kind of they cult. And then there's also people that kind of culturally state that they're Christian. But if you were mm-hmm. to like follow them around with a camera, there's not necessarily religious practices going on. Right. That's that, that's basically how I feel. But also on the inside, I don't believe in any of the gods. I know it's just that some of the culturally Christian people that I talk to believe in gods. So God, whatever. God. Was that also an impact? Because it almost sounds like really the defining point of your life was your dad passing away. That's what I've always come back to. I can't see that. I mean, I feel like it grew before that. Um like there were some seeds was being planted before that, mm-hmm. but that kind of put a turbocharger on a lot of the so. things that you were questioning. I think so. I think so. Um, so was there a, the... a was there a moment? Was there something that happened that you were like, I I just can't buy this. I think the first time I, I started to pretend that I was praying in the temple, but really I was thinking about something, and then. That's always that's always happening, right? As a child, and you go to temple, and I'm sure you've gone to church and and pretended to pray because your your body expected you to, whether you were actually praying or not, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a child, you have your mind wanders. Um, as a child, I did the actual praying. When something bad happened, when my grades, I think when my grades weren't going to go as I, as I expected, I prayed and prayed and prayed that I get an A instead of an F or whatever. But um, when I think as a teenager, I don't know if it was before my father died or after, I, I noticed that I felt like I was just bowing my head to a block of stone because our, our idols are made of stone. A block of stone people were mucking up with ghee and and milk and curds and fruit and that's how we we paid respect to our gods we we bathed the stone idols in our offerings and it just felt like a waste like give that to somebody who could use it and so it just that's that's when it really i think snowballed from there so and then i had to keep up the pretense for a long time um, it is not okay for Brahmins to say that you're atheist. Um, it is now. Um, it is starting to be normal now in Indian culture for certain educated Brahmins to kind of say, oh, you know, I, I believe in the Vedas, but I don't believe in the gods, as if they're different things. Um, the Vedas, by the way, are the, the holy scriptures of Hindus. There are four Vedas, um, and they talk about every every little aspect of a Hindu's life, everything. And if if you can think of it, it's in the Vedas. Um, so yeah, I stopped believing there. So yeah, uh, the pretense, that's what irritated, irritated me the most, that I was having to pretend. Did this, did this come about before moving? Or was this, yes. did this really blossom oh, no, when you no. moved? Or like how, what? Where, where was the dynamic? By the that? time I was 19, I want to say, by the time I was 18 or 19, I knew I, there was no going back. Mm. I knew I couldn't make myself believe anymore. Gotcha. And so when did your mom find out? I told her when I was um, of a marriageable age. <laughs> of a marriageable age. 
I mean, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. What you're saying is if LA. she kicked you out, you dude you could land B. somewhere. Yeah, you got a plan B. That's smart. <laughs> oh, she ain't stupid. Um, she knew, of course. Um, I I wasn't. She knew I wasn't invested when I was. You know, I wasn't praying every day. Every day. Okay. So uh, one of the parts of the routines in a Hindu's life is you wake up, you um, brush your teeth, shower right away. And then up the minute after you finish showering and dressing and everything, you go to your altar at home and you pray. That's the first thing you do. You don't do anything else. You go straight to the altar and pray. She noticed I wasn't doing that. She's a smart woman. Uh-huh. And I told her, I don't, I don't think that's for me. And then she got mad. She tried the whole, this is going to affect your children route. She, this is going to affect your grandchildren route. She tried to say that the karma may, might affect you. You might not. Someday you're going to realize that God is going to be either on your side or against you. And yada, yada, yada. So I told her when I was 18 or 19, I think. I understand the whole, this doesn't make sense to me. But then connect the dots to say, okay, well, then what does make sense to me is atheism. How did you get, like, what was your journey of saying the Hindu religious belief system does not make sense to me? So then take me to how you landed on kind of. Should I have converted into Christianity? (laughs) Should I have been converted into Christianity? No, no, no. Listen, we told you we weren't going to trick you, but you know what, Hitha? We're going to pray for you here today and anoint you with oil. No, <laughs> no. Okay, let me set this up for you. I studied in Christian schools. Um, um, my first bit of schooling was in uh, an Anglo-Indian school. It was called Frank Anthony Public School. Everywhere you turn, you see crosses and, and poor Jesus on the cross. And then after that, I went into a Hindu-based school where you had to go into the prayer classes and things. And then my uh, first degree, my bachelor's degree, was in a Muslim college. And uh, that Muslim college, everybody got time to go pray. And then you had no classes at prayer time. And then when the ladies came back, you, um, um, you just expected to resume classes. Um, and then they had their, class, their Muslim um, studies classes. And sometimes they opened up those Muslim study competitions and essay competitions anybody that wanted to go and I I read the Quran and wrote an essay I don't remember the topic um, because this was around 18 or 19 I was still researching other gods I was still researching Christianity and Jainism mm-hmm. Buddhism really appealed to me um, Islam I tried everything tried to I guess tried it on mm-hmm. to see if it fit it did so I moved on and so because none of them fit you were just like all right, none of them I'm just going to kind of wash my hands. And that, that's been mm-hmm. kind of the extent of the exploration to this point. So I moved into ag- agnosticism. Um, I said, well, nobody can prove that there's a God. And then I want to say atheism really just got cemented into a position for me after I moved here. So mm-hmm. maybe until I moved here, I was an agnostic. Mm-hmm. And then after I moved here, and then uh, I had read Richard Dawkins when I was... Um, uh, my first master's, not my second one. My first master's, I read Richard Dawkins. Second master's, I was starting to read Dan Dennett and all of those other people. And um, atheism was in the, I guess I was. it was booing. 
but it really just happened here. Okay. So most people that ad adhere to a religion, right? Mm -hmm. Any of them, like not only does that impact, it, you know, it impacts everything, how they view the beginning of life, how they live the life they live and how they live the, you know, and how the afterlife looks, mm -hmm. right? It, it impacts all three stages basically. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of that, how do you then define where did we come from and where are we going? Um, I like science for that. Um, I like hard facts and evidence. And um, I leave those questions to scientists to answer. And then as for where we're going, um, I, I don't believe in the soul. I don't believe in the spirit. Um, after I'm dead, I'm dead. I don't think there's an afterlife. Um, I plan to donate my body and my brain to for, for it to be studied or for organ donations or whatever. Um, there's a lot of languages in there, so there's a lot to give out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they can <laughs> dissect my language. Yeah, they love languages. They mine be like, nah. <laughs> yeah, this guy's trash. Well, listen, you're German Josh. You'll get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. I am... I mean, technically, I'm bilingual right now. But. <laughs> so go back. You said I, at the beginning of the show, I never wanted to come to America. Mm -hmm. Yet here you sit. That's, mm -hmm. that, was, that was my question. Like, how, how did we get here? Okay, so that's where arranged marriage comes in. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yes, two birds, one stone. There we go. Okay, so like I said, marriageable age, right? Starting 1920, when I was starting to finish up my bachelor's degree, mom always warned me, hey, it's, it's, you better start learning how to cook. You better start learning how to uh, remember all the prayers and the rituals. Please come and watch me when I do this, that, or the other, when it's this, that, or that festival, because your in-laws are going to blame me if you don't know these things. And she always told me when I was 21, that's when she would start to look out for a groom for me. And it didn't happen at 21. Um, it did happen at 23 is when she started looking. By 24, I was engaged and married. Uh, 20, 24, I was married. Um, um, she held off because I was then doing the clinical psychology training and she didn't want to interrupt that. I said, clinical psychology is a profession that's really hard to translate across countries. I want to stay in India. I want to build on what I've already started working on. And I, I don't want to have to go to America and start all over because this this clinical psychology degree doesn't translate. Um, um, I didn't want, I knew that if I had to go to Germany or UK, it would be the same thing starting over. And I didn't want that. And remember, it was drummed into me that you take care of your parents and I didn't want to be away from them if something happened because anything can happen. My dad died all of a sudden. Yeah. So, so your mom wanted you to come to the states because mm -hmm. of the marriage she didn't either she said I i'm okay with whatever you want to do but these other kids are moving away and they seem to be doing okay okay my grandfather was the one that encouraged the whole germany and studying idea he um, he was in the leather business who would talk about ironic there <laughs> okay never mind so um he, I mean, being a Brahmin and you can't eat meat, you can't touch dead animals, but then you're in the leather bits. Oh boy. So, um, um, so he was the one that encouraged, uh, you know, that I study Germany, uh, the German and go to Germany. And, um, and he had this nice little nest egg set apart for me to study 
um, so that I never had to worry about loans. Um, so he was egging me on, but I didn't want it. So he, he, he dropped it. But then you look for grooms and grooms and grooms and nobody um, fit. Like when you when your family starts looking for uh, suitable boys, they're looking at the horoscopes first and the astronomical horoscopes. If they fit, then you didn't like the look of the boy or if it if the boy looked good and the family was nice and the horoscope fit, he wasn't earning enough. And my family's like, uh-uh, no, you, you, you're going to a stable place. Or they, they uh, the, the family was rude or um, there were so many factors to consider. And I was real firm about if I don't like my in-laws, I'm not marrying the boy, no matter how nice he is. Because remember, I'm supposed to take care of them <laughs> when they're older. I don't want to have to put yeah. up with that. So, so how did you get connected with your husband? Um, um, one of my great aunts was a matchmaker, and she was the one that put me in, with, put my family in touch with my in-laws. They liked each other. My my in-laws and my my family liked each other. And then my mom was like, "This boy is in America. It's okay. Just give it a shot." Um, I met. I didn't meet him yet. I met my in-laws first. Um, I fell in love with my mother-in-law. I keep telling my husband, I, I didn't marry you for you. I married you for your mother. Nice. <laughs> she top, is, top she is such a gentle soul. She is amazing. And my father-in-law was, um, he's, um, he doesn't fit the stereotype of a manly man, you know? He's... He's the, the guy that is, um, so we have this festival called Navaratri where the women are the one that set up the, uh, the altars and the idols and things. He's the one that does that. He's the one that likes to cook. He's the one that likes to, um, he'll the, he's the one that will give you an opinion on how good your sari looks or what co color combination may look better. Like he's, he doesn't fit the stereotype of a manly Hindu man. Uh, so I thought, oh, okay. Flexible gender roles here. That's that's great. Um, so um, I thought that's that's. And then I decided to say, you know what? I'll give this guy a shot. The first thing he said, my husband, my future husband. The first thing he said was, "I drink. I don't like Indian. <laughs> <laughs> I I oh that blew my mind because oh alcohol was not. There was a no no. Um, so this is a party boy. I don't know if I want him. And then I tried talking to him a little bit more and gave him another chance and another chance. Now I told you, uh, we're a family of intellectuals or, or expected to be. Mm -hmm. My, um, uncle, my, my mother's brother said, make an Excel sheet, put down all the characteristics you want in your husband and rate him on each one and give weightages to each rating and come up with a score and then see if you like him. He barely scraped through with a 60%. <laughs> Do you still have that sheet? Yeah, I can share it with you. No, I want you to put Josh on it. And I want you to... <laughs> no. No. Oh, German Josh only. No. No, 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 just German Josh. No, but I did share this too with, with all the all my little cousins that were getting married afterward. And and I know at least one of them used to. <laughs> you should have copyrighted that bad boy. You could have... You used that in yeah. session as well? Like, look, I, look, I use this sheet. It's an Excel spreadsheet. Hey, sure you're talking as if I don't use it already. That's what I'm saying. I think it's a I, great I idea. Yeah. I do it. 
we do we do weighted pros and cons all the time in some of my sessions so he barely squeaked by with the 60 percent. why'd you keep going i was i was afraid that if i let go of my mother-in-law that i would end up with a worse one so the burden bush you know i mean the burden hand is better than doing the wish right so does he know that he barely squeaks by Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and let me tell you about a time um when i did the rorschach test on him because remember i was a clinical psychologist oh that covered up uncovered so many things um daddy issues for one so that affected his scoring a little bit um so he knew he knew all of that before we got into it. Is he okay with this? Because he realized that he has like outpunted his coverage. I knew he was going to be trash talked, and I warned him, and he said, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> he warned him. We're not sharing this with the in-laws, but just him. <laughs> I didn't even tell. Him. Well, I think I told my mom that I was doing a podcast, but I didn't tell her what it was about. So I'm not yeah. going to share it with her either. <laughs> yeah. And the chances of her she's stumbling. Yeah, the chances of her fine. stumbling upon tattoos and Jesus. <laughs> yeah, no shot. <laughs> Zero. Less than zero. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So what does your husband do now for a living? Um, He's an IT guy. He is a business analyst in an IT company. Um, And he's like me. He's stuck with his first company. Doesn't move around in jobs. So he's one of those faithful, stable guys. Okay. And so how many kids gotta... do you have? I have two girls. I have a nine-year-old and a three-year-old, and um, it and they were both born here, um, so they're citizens. And um, there there have been times when I've made the mistake of marking her nationality as Indian on paperwork, and then scratched it off and said American because it just doesn't. It still hasn't clicked, mm-hmm. even though I, they have American passports and things. Um, So my kids have been raised with the expectation that um, culturally we do certain things as Hindus. And my oldest daughter has um, had conversations with me about, hey, if you want to pray to Krishna, want to pray to Vishnu, go right ahead. I'll help you. I'll teach you the slokas. I know some of them. Not really well, but I'll learn them for you. If you want to learn um, about Buddha, Jesus, whatever, we've read all the stories together. Um, but she's choosing not to pray, and I've been okay with that. But I've had to tell her, hey, when we're in India, <laughs> we pray. We <laughs> look like we're praying. And when we're in, the, but she loves to go to the temples. She loves the architecture. Mm-hmm. She loves the atmosphere. So that's one thing that she loves to do with her grandfather. And she misses it when we're here. She doesn't get to go to the temples much. Um, my youngest, my three-year-old, we're still reading the stories. And just like we're reading the Santa and the Rudolph stories, and there's just stories to her. Okay. So I got a question. Mm-hmm. I guess transition into the last piece of this podcast a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to know, like, how, because you have a lot of experience. And, like, mm-hmm. when I hear you talk, in my mind, I go to work, like, oh, I definitely refer her to, you know, Hitha for X, Y, and Z. Do you mm-hmm. work with a lot of women? Or, like, what, what, like, when you got into mental health, um career here mm-hmm. like what is your specialty how does your you know your upbringing and your your cultural um experience and diversity like how does that apply in the session and like what what do you love to work with what what do you relate to because i mean when you talk there's a lot of a lot of things that come out just as far as like my mind goes to 
you know, a lot of women deal with a lot of the same issues, not as much maybe as kind of the cultural aspects you talk about, but just here in general, like what's that window so look like? I chose marriage and family therapy for a reason because of the collective, the collectivistic culture that I come from mm-hmm. and the arranged marriage issue and having to learn somebody um, after you've married them has been a roller coaster. So I chose the MFD profession just for that. And it's been interesting with my couples. I love, I love my couples. Um, And I self-disclose sometimes about the arranged marriage part when it comes to discussions about, I'm just not in love with him anymore. I care for him, but I'm not in love with him. And part of me wants to go, well, suck it up and grow up. (laughs) 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 That's not how it works with everybody. Right. Um, And so then we have conversations around, well, what what brought you together? How can you bond with each other? What are some reasons to be together that are not the chemical in love feeling? Mm. Um, I also did hypnotherapy because as um, when I was my, my, first master's was in uh, a master in clinical psychology. I keep saying first master's and second, but in India it's master's. And then my second master's was called an MPhil, which is kind of like a half of a doctor program. Um, So the master's in clinical psychology, I was introduced to this wonderful Indian author called Anup Dhar. He's a philosopher, he's a clinical psychologist, but he likes to buck the system. And he, he is, he introduced me to Michel Foucault. He introduced me to consciousness studies. Um, Michel Foucault, for, uh, for the people that don't know about it, um, uh, is um, a philosopher who talks about how the, the, the medicinal system, the, the therapy system is built around the idea of the confessional from Christianity, and it doesn't always help the client. Um, so I think that's Foucault. I may be misremembering it. Nobody's uh, going to know the difference. Well, someone will fact check and Somebody leave will. an angry comment on your podcast, I'm sure. Or do do podcasts have comments? This isn't a YouTube thing, is it? No, no, there's no comments. No, oh, well. They'll go straight to the email. But... You chickened out, didn't you? <laughs> You could have done the YouTube route. Uh, okay. If we, if I get any comments, I'll let you know. I'll forward them to you. We yeah. have, we have podcast face. We, we <laughs> audio is better than a visual in, in our situation. Well, that's good to know. Um, anyway, so, consciousness. You got me hooked here. I'm trying to hypnotherapy. It's amazing. So when you learn about how many different theories there are out there about what consciousness is you start learning about the different modes of it and then that's how i got into hypnotherapy because one of my clinical psychology uh, trainers was also doing this cbt hypnotherapy um um um, i guess interplay i hadn't heard of it then but i did one or two of his workshops and i loved it he was also doing this whole thing with you know bhagavad gita and and hypnotherapy and i wasn't even going to touch that with that but I saw value in that and I continued it over here. Um, I trained um, in hypnotherapy further in Georgia, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, um, in 
Um, I did all three levels and I can get to call myself a certified clinical hypnotherapist now. So what, how is hypnotherapy used? Like what are some of the issues that it's very effective for? Well, most people tend to think hypnotherapy and, and think weight loss or smoking cessation. Um, it's useful for habit change, but I mostly use it for my folks with trauma um, because it helps with, we call it regression. Um, we have the client, we teach the client how to put themselves under. Um, and I always tell them hypnotherapy, all hypnotherapy, self-hypnotherapy. Um, we teach them how to put themselves under. And since it is a skill, they practice it at home. The more you practice it, the the quicker and deeper you go, uh, if it is in you to go deep. Some people can go into a light trance and get just as much benefit out of it. Um, and then we, after we teach them self-hypnosis, and then we, we use um, the ACT or the CBD skills or the Sadir skills, whatever you want to teach with the hypnotherapy, because it's um, a different modality of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it bypasses the conscious language centers. It, it, it goes straight into the subconscious. And, and it is something that you can see happen in session. It is beautiful when, say, for, for instance, one session I've built in suggestions of when we hear, um, when we hear ourselves talk about um, why is this happening to me, um, my brain will help me by bringing up the image of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of sessions down the road when they've practiced with it, they go into some version of why is this happening to me? And then, and then we do, we stop, we do a body, body's, hey, what just came up for you? And she says, or he says this, and I'm like, yes, you've been practicing. <laughs> so that suggestion took hold. Okay. Um, and that's, that's all it is. Hypnotherapy is about attentiveness, uh, attention, um, dis, uh, just um, dissociation, but not necessarily in, in the uh, PTSD or the DID kind of way, um, and uh, heightened suggestibility. Those are the three pillars of hypnotherapy. Wonderful. So yeah. we've just got a couple minutes left, so we've got to wrap yep. up. Let's do that. Is there anything else that we need to know about HITHA that we haven't (laughs) asked? Um, There's so much. I love cooking and arts. Anything that's vaguely creative, Mm -hmm. I love. Okay. What's your favorite meal to cook? Say that again? What's your favorite meal to cook? I I have a different cuisine for every meal. Um, So... It might, uh, so for instance, uh, this morning I had a buddha bowl, a grain bowl, um, but for dinner we're having um, a stir fry with noodles. Tomorrow my idea is to make um, falafels and have, um, and make homemade pita bread. That's... Can I have your address and the time nope. that this will be ready? Not even a little bit. Nope. <laughs> How do you make homemade pita? I love pita bread. Well, if you have a bread maker, it makes the bread go <laughs> Then you just put it on the pan. Yeah, you uh, lost me a bread maker. All right, we've got to wrap up. Um, all right. Hitha, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I know you were hesitant because you're like, I'm going on a Christian podcast with two goons. 
Yes. Um, Talking about yes. Atheism. Thanks for it, man. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. like, I just want to say this, you know, in the little bit that I've known you, like, I would refer somebody to you in a second because even with the hypnotherapy piece, because I know even, you don't like that. even with the voodoo voodoo oh, practices. Man. Because here's here's why. You don't like hypnotherapy. Never mind. Yeah. Okay. No, in the class, I was being stupid and made some like stupid comment oh, about so hypnotherapy. And it like <laughs> and Hitha just had a little fit about it. Oh, yeah. And so I, I say mm-hmm. this, I will never question anything you say because you're infinitely smarter than me. However, I would refer somebody because number because you are incredibly respectful of everyone, and you are one of the kindest people that I've met. Thank and you. so, I you know I just really appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable and come on the show, knowing or at least you know st- stereotypes we talked about like who's listening. Mm-hmm. And so I just really really appreciate that and really enjoyed it. And I think everyone will enjoy hearing your story even though mm-hmm. we could have unpacked it for hours. Um, but just thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. It's it's like really, I was super excited that this interview is really kind of going to be the capstone of our of the year. We have a Christmas episode that comes out next week, but this is the last like real, like <laughs> potatoes, like legit episode. Yeah, yeah, oh, the, the Christmas episode is trash, but yeah. It's, 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 so it's, anyway, it's like so minutes. just thanks. We really do appreciate it. And let me just say, your questions made me think about a lot of different things. Yeah. And I know I have to go go back to my journal tonight. But thank you for your very thoughtful questions. I don't enjoy talking about myself so much, but I, I hope I wasn't, you know, here there. Was and great. It was great. It was great. If somebody mm-hmm. wanted to reach out to maybe uh, get a session, where would they mm-hmm. go? What would they do? They can find me on Psychology Today, or they can call Emerge Family Therapy Center. And say they wanted to see me. Okay. I can give you the information whenever you have your. Do you have your own website? I don't. They have my face on the Emerge website, and I did the Psychology Today thing. I'll actually put the link to your Psychology Today in the in the description. So if anybody wanted to find you, so appreciate that. So all right, guys. Well, that's a wrap. We will stop there, and uh, until I well, the Christmas episode comes out next. But other than that, until next year. Y'all have a wonderful holiday season and behave yourselves. Thanks for joining us on another episode of TNJ. Don't forget to check out the links to any of our guests in the show description. And check out tattoosandjesus.org for additional show information or to submit your questions, comments, or curse words.